Why do you want to buy a house? And is now the best time to buy your first house? Don't buy because someone told you you should or because someone told you paying rent is throwing money away. Buy because a house would meet your family's needs and because you're financially ready to commit to buying a house. Welcome to Getting Money Right with your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. And we're so excited to have you with us today. In this episode, we're going to be talking about buying a home and what you need to start the process. So as we're looking at this, there's going to be a bunch of big questions that we ask. And the first one is really, should you buy a house? That's a great question. Should you buy a house? Uh, You know, a lot of folks think that buying a house is just kind of the grown-up thing you do. You get out of college, you get your first job and get married, and the next thing you do is buy a house. I don't think that's true anymore. I think a lot of folks are changing that because buying a house is a big deal. It's a lot of work, and it's not always a good investment, especially if you don't hang on to that house for more than five years. It usually ends up costing you more if you buy a house than just renting for the five years, right? Yeah, and when I'm talking to somebody and they say, okay, David, should I buy a house now? Should I wait a year? Uh, should I have bought my house two years ago? You know, did I miss the bus? <laughs> Am I too late? <laughs> yeah. So I always want to start with where are you in your financial journey? So think about it as you're listening in. Uh, first and foremost, do you have a written budget in place? You know, do you know what's coming in and going out? Because if you don't have a written plan in place, you're not ready for a home ownership. Right, right. <laughs> you need to you need to understand the flow of your finances before you jump into a huge 15 or 30 year commitment uh, that will probably be the largest purchase of your life until you purchase another home. So first, have a written plan in place. Second, make sure that you've got your emergency fund in place. Yes. Uh, homes come with maintenance and unexpected costs. Uh, my wife and I are actually looking at HVAC units right now uh, for the possibility of our 20 year old unit eventually going out on us. And, you know, when you look at a whole replacement, it's going to be eight, five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000, depending on what we want to do. We're getting a bunch of quotes, a bunch of different areas, but three to six month emergency fund is extremely important. Have you paid off the majority of your debt? For Ashley and I, it was paramount that we pay off all of our debt before we even started looking at homes because that was important to our firm foundation in starting out before we bought a house. I'd recommend paying off all your debt, but definitely get to the place where you've paid down the majority of your debt and you've got a pretty quick plan to finish out the rest. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to take on a mortgage that's going to eat up quite a bit of your income and still have other debts. Even if it's just a few hundred dollars, it just it makes everything much tighter. Remember, when we were talking about budgeting and how much money you should set aside for these different categories of your budget, about 30% is for your housing. Debt, we didn't have a recommended percentage. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you're paying on debt payments, that's in addition to any other categories that you need to spend on. So you're really taking it away from other areas. Yeah. So when you take on a housing responsibility, it's a big commitment. You can't say to the mortgage company, hey, I'm kind of tight on things this month. I'm, I'm going to be late, not without some serious consequences. So it's best to get rid of most of your debt, if not all of it, especially revolving. The credit card debt should not exist yes. before you buy a house. You just need that margin. It just makes so much sense to, to get rid of it. Yep. Yeah, we focused on paying off uh, our student loans. We paid off uh, our cars, and we didn't have any revolving debt at the time, and we still don't. But that, those are the things. You want to attack that debt first. Then just three basic quick things. You're looking to buy a house. You need to make sure you have a down payment. Do you have money saved for furniture? And are you ready for closing costs? And all three of those things need to come on top 
of your emergency fund. You can't use your emergency fund for that because then you won't have the fund. So those are questions you want to ask yourself. And we're going to dig deep into the numbers of this in a little bit. Uh, but those are the first questions. Should I be buying a house? And then the next one is just, why do you want to buy a house? Yeah, that's great. I mean, where are you in your financial journey is important, but also asking the question, why do you want to buy a house? And is now the best time to buy your first house possibly? You know, don't buy because someone told you you should or because someone said that by paying rent, you're throwing money away. Uh, don't buy because all of your friends are doing it. And certainly don't buy because the interest rates are low or because it's a buyer's market. There will always be an opportunity to buy a house <laughs> yes. later. There's no rush to it. You'll have all of your life. You'll have time. There's one on every corner. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's cycles. It goes up and down. So there's no perfect time. And most of the time when you buy, you just buy because it's a need, not because it's the perfect time. Um, but buy because you're settling down and need a place to live for a minimum of five years. That's such an important thing, not to buy a house thinking two years from now we're going to be somewhere else. It's such a big, big investment up front. Plus, it's such a huge cost up front because most of the mortgage payment doesn't go towards the principal. It goes toward the interest. So you're not really saving a lot by buying a house. Yeah, uh, you've got realtor fees, you've got yeah. closing costs. Too you, many have, upfront you have ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 worth of upfront costs overall. It's going to take five years to recoup those costs before it starts to make money versus being upside down in the overall transaction. Yes. And really, bottom line is buy because a house is uh, something that's going to meet your family needs right now. And buy because you're financially ready. Don't buy under pressure. Buy because it's the right time. So it's just great questions to ask so that when it's time to buy the house, you know you've done all the due diligence. You've, you've set yourself up for success so that this is a good decision. Yep. So first off, make sure that this is the right season. Ask those questions. Make sure you have an understanding and a grasp of what those are. And then begin to realize that there are some financial requirements. You know, just wanting a house is not enough. <laughs> just <laughs> having a job is not enough. You have to have a great credit score. Yes. Uh, you know, if you're lucky on the low end, they may take a score in the 600s. But typically, a score of 720 or higher is what's going to get you the best rate. And if you get a low, a, a higher interest rate, which means you pay more each month on interest, mm -hmm. you're going to spend thousands and literally tens of thousands of dollars extra yes. over the life of the loan. And so waiting to the place where you get a 700 to 720 to 740 and up really matters. So the great credit score matters, uh, making sure that you have a down payment. They will not sell you a house unless you have pretty much a minimum of a 3.5% uh, down payment. So if it's a $100,000 home, that's $3,500 that you need in cash. Yeah, that's on low end. Yeah, that's and, for and an that's FHA on the low loan. End. Right, right. <laughs> and, uh, but, but most of them will require at least a 5 or 10% down. And you and I have talked about this before. We really would like you guys to consider a 20% down payment. Yeah, yeah. And so having that down payment up front, this is a requirement. Uh, they're not going to mm -hmm. lend you without it. And for you know, spending time with Leo and I, we're not going to require, but we're going to highly encourage that 20% down. Yes, we will. And encourage you to have cash on hand. Uh, you've got to be able to make sure that you are not draining all your accounts to buy this home because at the end of the day, you need to have that emergency fund in place. Mm -hmm. So do you have extra cash for furniture, for closing costs, for your emergency fund? And last but not least, as the bank is looking at or the credit union is looking at you and uh, your financial profile, 
they want to make sure that you have not just employment, but what they call solid employment. Mm -hmm. And it's where you've got at least two years of history in your job and it's consistent. You seem to be doing well. It's in an industry that has a little bit of uh, consistency. They're going to look at your overall financial life. So, so just wanting a house and saying, oh, now's the season. Now's the time. Mm -hmm. There's also some financial requirements that you can't get around because you now you're looking at a bank or a credit union or a lender that's going to lend you a hundred thousand dollars two hundred thousand dollars right i mean you could whatever your home is going to be four five six i mean whatever the number is they're lending you hundreds of thousands of dollars they're taking a big gamble yes and they're going to be very stringent in looking at every requirement and making sure that you meet those requirements before they give you all that money. Yeah. And if you have a lower credit score, it's because in the past you haven't managed money as well, or you haven't played with debt as well. And it actually didn't have to do with how you manage money. It's how you play with debt. Uh, but they see a little bit higher risk. So they charge you more to borrow that money. And that's why we say, you know, wait, wait till you get to the place where you've got a little bit better credit score to make a, a wise spending decision. So now it's time for you understanding there are some requirements out there. It's time for you to get financially prepared. So what are some of those steps to do that? Yeah, that's great. So the first step is determine how much house you can afford. Uh, keep your total housing costs. We've talked about this before at around 30% of your net income. And check out the spending guideline that we have at leosabo.com to get more accurate numbers based on your family type and your net income for the year. Will you live in the house at least five years? If not, renting will be cheaper. There are calculators out there. Uh, you could use a rent versus buy calculator to determine if it makes sense, financial sense, to buy at this time. And don't think of your home as an investment. I think a lot of folks think, well, the sooner I can get out of renting and buying, the, the less money I'll waste because that money will go toward my house and that'll you know build equity and it'll cost more money down the road. So I'll make money by buying this house. But I've done the math and I'm telling you, it, it, whether you hang on to a house for many years, 20, 30 years, or whether it's more than five years, you do the math and you're going to put more money into the house than you will get out of it in the end because you have taxes, you have insurance, you have maintenance, you have upkeep. So a house is not an investment. I really want to harp on this because a lot of folks look at a house and as investment. And I've chosen not to look at a house and as investment. For me, a house is a place that I live. It's a place where I have my home and my family and where I enjoy the family time that I have here. But it's not an investment uh, because it's not putting money in my pocket. It's taking money out of my pocket. But it is a cost that I, that I have. And I'm happy to pay it for a nice home. So it's a good purchase, but don't think of it as an investment. Think of it as a cost and then make the best decision so that that cost will be in line with your budget and your financial well-being. Yeah. And, you know, the home will hopefully go up in value over the time sure. if you make a good purchase. And so we're not saying it's not going to go up in value, but... When you're living in it, as it goes up in value, that just means the expenses go up. Right. Right. <laughs> it means that your insurance gets higher. It means that your property taxes get higher. And so when we say it's not an investment, you're not pulling cash out of it every couple of years. The home is growing in value, but it's actually costing you more the longer you have it. And so just be aware of that. Make yep. sure you've always got a little extra margin because next year, well, insurance might cost a little more. Yep. Property taxes may cost a little more. The good thing is that you do get to keep some of your money. When you eventually sell, you do get to get, yes. get some of that money yes. back. And that's great. I think it's a wonderful part of being a homeowner. Yes. Just realize that it's not something you put no money in and get a bunch of money out. 
it will cost you as you as you live in it. Yeah, and and the amount depending on what type of loan you get that goes into your principal that pays off the balance of the loan, uh, it depends on what kind of loan you get. So even when somebody's saying, "Oh, should I rent or should I buy?" There's a lot of questions that I've got to walk through. This isn't That's a hard a, question to answer. It's, it's not a, a direct qu- answer. Yes. And so hopefully this whole episode, and we're doing two episodes on this, so hopefully these two episodes will help begin to answer that question for you because you'll be able to grab the detailed pieces of information that you need in order to actively make a wise choice. So step two, we're looking at how you can get prepared financially. Step two is to get your finances in order and prepare for the mortgage application. First and foremost, you want to check your own credit before the bank checks your credit. Mm -hmm. Before the lender comes looking at you, you want to take a hard look at yourself. So I love to go to creditkarma.com, and that's where I look at my credit score. Uh, It is also becoming more and more available through different avenues. So this is kind of fun for me. It used to be impossible to find your score. Now it's pretty easy without even paying anything to get your score for free. Uh, If you're under 720 work on improving the score. And, you know, it can be pretty quick as long as you're making your payments, you're doing the right things. It can inch its way forward and it can set you up a lot better even just six months from now uh, before taking on a big mortgage. So save for the down payment. This is you getting prepared. You've got to save and that might take, I don't know what your situation will be, but for Ashley and I, it took two and a half years to get our finances in order. We rented for two and a half years. We rented a small one bedroom apartment and we said, hey, we're going to line up and get our emergency fund set. We're going to have that down payment set. And so look at that. Look for your down payment and your closing costs. Now on the closing costs for us, we had the down payment, we had furniture money, and guess what we forgot? <laughs> closing <laughs> <The> costs. Closing <laughs> <cost>. <laughs> I don't know that we forgot, forgot, but but when we went to buy the home, it wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. So we used all the furniture money that we saved for closing costs. And well, at so, least you had it. At least we had it. Yes, we did have the furniture money, uh, but we did not have furniture for the first six months in our home. <laughs> now I say that, you know, we had our one bedroom worth of, of you know, furniture, one bedroom apartment moved into our home, yeah. but it was not uh, an elegant situation for the first couple months because we didn't remember closing costs. And that can easily be, well, we'll get into the numbers, but it can easily be four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. So um, no less than a 10% down payment. We obviously recommend 20%. Uh, two reasons. One, and we'll dig deeper into these numbers, but one, just real quick, is that if you ever need to sell the home, you have 20% equity, which means you have a very good chance of being able to sell it and not owe anything beyond what you put into it and, and, and what is owed on the note. And so that just gives you flexibility and freedom. Two, it avoids PMI, private mortgage insurance. And so we're going to look at that in a minute, but you know, be, be aware. Closing costs can range anywhere from 2 to 5% of the house price. Usually, that is something like 2.5%. And so when you're looking at closing costs, you could easily be looking at spending $2,500 on 100000 or five grand on 200000 So just be aware of the closing costs. That's a really big piece of this. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, gather your documents. You're going to need some documents, just some basic things like pay stubs, uh, W-2s, your bank statements. They're going to want to see at least two months worth of bank statements just to see 
how much you're spending, what you're spending your money on. And then if you're self-employed, you're going to have to have two, at least two years of tax returns because with self-employed people, since it's not a regular job, you're not having those pay stubs come in and that can fluctuate. The bank wants to make sure that you have the capability to pay this mortgage once they approve it. So make sure you have those documents. Now, step three is to shop for a mortgage. And the best thing to do, even before you start going out and looking at homes, is to get pre-approved. Yeah. Yeah. If you dig into that pre-approval process, uh, it makes everything easier on the back end. Well, first of all, you know how much the bank is willing to lend you based on your credit worthiness, based on what you can afford to buy based on your income. Uh, and the mortgage pre-approval process is free, so there's no obligation. You just do this at a local bank, a lender, a broker, and they'll do that for you happily because they want your business. So they'll they'll put that together very quickly for you. But having that uh, pre-approval, it helps the seller to know that, hey, this person is qualified. I don't have to worry about the deal falling through. Yeah. And that's a big deal when it comes to negotiation time. If you have somebody bidding Putting a contract on a, on a home or bidding for a home, if you have several people, they will always choose the one that's already pre-approved and they know that person's going to close yeah. rather than take a chance that somebody else who is even willing to pay more right. is not pre-approved because they don't know if that's going to go through or not. Just put yourself in the seller's shoes. Yeah. Imagine that you own a $200,000 home and you have three people that come and want to buy it. One of them is pre-approved by the bank for 200000 so mm -hmm. they can afford it. Another person says, well, we think we can afford it, but the bank hasn't told us yet. Mm -hmm. And another person brings a suitcase with $200,000 of cash. <laughs> well, the cash is on the spot. So, yes. you know, I mean, you're going to choose based on who's more prepared. And, uh, and so being pre-approved is a great way to be prepared. I agree. So then there are mortgage types. So in order to shop for a mortgage, you have to understand the types of mortgages that are available. So there are fixed rate mortgages mortgages and adjustable rate mortgages. Now, there are the types, but these are the two main ones we're going to talk about. An ARM, A-R-M, is an adjustable rate mortgage. Just so if you see that terminology, that's what that means. You can take out a mortgage for 30 years or as little as five years. Now, of course, the interest rates are typically higher the longer the term of the loan. A shorter term is they're going to charge less interest. So 15-year, for instance, it's usually about a point, sometimes a half a point less than a 30-year because you're making a bigger payment. Right. And let's put that into context. Let's say that you want to borrow money for 30 years from the bank. Mm -hmm. The bank is looking at that and they don't know whether interest rates are going to go way up in the future or way down in the future. Right now they're low. So they're, if anything, going to go up or stay the same. And so the bank is looking at 30 years and they say, hey, we better charge a little bit more. And instead of three and a half percent, let's charge four and a half percent because what if in 30 years the rate goes up? Now, let's say you do a 15-year mortgage. Well, now they only have to worry about 15 years of upcoming, you know, of the future. And so now they're saying, well, the rates have stayed low for a long time. In the next 15 years, we think we can give you a 3.5 versus what would have been a 4.5 mm -hmm. for that 30 years. So it's the banks trying to look into the future and they don't know what's going to happen to rates. So they charge you more just in case. And those, and that's on the fixed rate. When you go to the adjustable rate, now the bank has some control because mm -hmm. they say, oh, we can make adjustments to this rate. You have fixed rate where they say it's 4.5 for the life of the loan, right. or it's 3.5 for the life of the loan. So they have to, they have to do some calculations up front with the adjustable rate mortgage. They say, hey, for just for seven years, you yeah. know, we'll give you a 3%, right. you know, we'll go an extra half percent lower, whatever it might be. You know, we'll go, we'll go a little lower but it's only for seven years. 
And if seven years from now, uh, the rates have begun to change in the industry, well, now they're like, oh, well, now it's four. And then the next year it's five. And the next year it's six. The next year it's seven. You've gone to over double in just a couple of years. So the adjustable rate mortgage typically adds a little bit more risk to your life. And it takes risk away from the bank because the bank knows, hey, if if things go wrong, we can just raise the rate and charge more. Uh, Whereas with a fixed rate, you know, you know that you've got this set and this payment is going to be the same for the life of the loan on the amount that you're paying towards your principal and your interest, the money that goes to the bank to thank them for borrowing the money, that's the interest, and the principal, the amount that actually goes to pay off the loan, you get a $100,000 loan, a little bit goes to principal, so maybe the next month you only you know, owe 9000 or 99000 instead of 100000 Right. So just be aware, the adjustable rate protects the bank, the fixed rate more so protects you. If you know you're only gonna be in the home for seven years, Maybe the adjustable rate makes sense because you're going to sell it before it can start adjusting. Right. But not a lot of people know. <laughs> Again, we're right. playing with the future. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm glad you broke that down a little bit because it is tempting when you are getting a mortgage and you look at the different rates and you're looking at a 30-year versus 15 or you're looking at a 30 uh, fixed rate or an adjustable rate for the first you know, five to seven years. It's tempting to say, well, I can get a 2.8% for five or seven years, and when you look at the payment, it makes a big difference. But it's not going to stay there. There's a good chance it'll yeah. go up. Now, like you said, David, the bank is not taking any risk in this case yes. because they're signing you up for the loan. And they can they do the math and they know what they're going to get on the minimum. However, if you run past that five or seven year adjustable rate, then it could be like you said, it could be double. Yes, literally yes. double. So now they're they're going to make a lot more money off of you, yes. and you still have a considerable amount of mortgage balance left on that mortgage after five or seven years and barely made a dent, right? Now, when we say rates, so let, I'm just going to give off the top of my head, if, if it's a 30-year mortgage, that means you're going to pay this thing off over 30 years, and they give you a 4.5% rate, that means that if the mortgage is $100,000, that every year you pay $4,000 $500 in just interest, mm-hmm. just to say, thank you for letting me borrow this money. Right. And and so if it's a 3.5% on a 15-year mortgage, that means that year you only had to pay them $3,500. And that extra $1,000 goes to pay off the loan. And so you pay off the loan much faster, which is also why it ends up only being 15 years instead of 30 years. Right. So I'm, I know that sometimes it can be confusing saying, oh, 4.5% rate, 2.8% rate, 3.5. When we say percent, think of a $100,000 loan. Well, that's $3.5,000, mm-hmm. $4.5,000 of interest that you're paying. And that is why it's really smart to take your time and understand this stuff before you go in because you can literally save hundreds of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan, depending on the mortgage you choose, which is what we're going to dig into in a minute uh, when we break down some of these numbers. Yeah, what I would recommend is run some scenarios through a mortgage calculator. There are some great uh, sites out there that will allow you to plug in the numbers just to see how the different terms and rates will affect your monthly payment. And again, we go back to it has to fit your budget. You have to make sure that you're not going beyond that 30, 32% of your housing category, the total housing category. And mortgage payment should fit in there comfortably so you're not stressed out, you're not pushing that category at 35, 40% and eating up from other areas. So it's important to do that math 
my experience has been that both the realtor, the lender, the bank, whoever is going to give you the money, are motivated to give you more. Yeah, and they're going they to want to, they yeah, want to let you borrow if they can afford to do absolutely. it. Absolutely, <laughs> they're going to come to you and say, "Hey, you can afford a three hundred and fifty thousand dollars house," when you really your budget says two fifty is the max. That's a big difference. That's five six hundred dollars in difference per month. But the bank will be happy to lend it to you. They don't care that you're going to stress over it. They don't care that you're going to have to forget you know, saving for the future in order to afford this mortgage payment. So really do some calculations, get as much of this information and these numbers, really work these numbers until you know exactly what's safe for you yeah. before you pull the trigger. Absolutely. So you mentioned to just, you know, look at some mortgage calculators online. I love to just go to Google and type in mortgage calculator. Mm -hmm. And Google has its own one that's built in, which is very simple. Now you can do some really complex ones as well, play with all of them. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking at the Google one right now. If you do a $200,000 home, if you were to do a 30-year mortgage at 4.5%, total that you're going to pay over that 30 years is $364,000. So it's a $200,000 house, but because you had to pay... 4.5,000 4.5,000 every year in interest. Now it goes down over time. Yeah. But as you're paying that interest, you're going to end up paying 364,000. That's almost double the price of the home. It's 160 some thousand dollars of yes. just interest. Of just interest. Just interest. Now it's if a lot of money. it's a lot of money. If you were to do a $200,000 house, so I opened up another browser window, typed in, you know, mortgage calculator on Google, a $200,000 house at 3.5% interest. So again, one point lower because mm-hmm. the bank has a little bit less risk. Right. Uh, 15-year mortgage, the total cost is only, this is again a $200,000 mortgage, it's only 257000 mm. So you're paying $57,000 in interest versus... one hundred and sixty. Yes. So just be aware. Now, uh, I'm not saying it's always going to be easy to choose a 15 year over 30. There are some benefits going back and forth, and we're going to dig into that. But but be aware that these decisions matter to the tune of $100,000 in just that one scenario. And imagine putting that money into an investment for that 30 years. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Even if you slowly put it in every year, three, four, five thousand that could equal to hundreds of thousands of dollars by the time that mortgage payment is paid off. Yep. So, yeah, certainly do the math. Make sure that you run all these scenarios and understand what what the different terms are and how this is going to affect the bottom line. And David, let's talk a little bit more about mortgage fees because we know there are costs involved with the mortgage. It's not just the mortgage itself. There are fees that people will have as they go to closing, right? Those closing costs are really a bunch of fees. So let's, let's digest those a little bit. Yeah, that sounds really good. So realize that the bank, you know, they're paying multiple people to look at your loan, to look at your personal finances, to look at the property, to look at the, the, to appraise the property, to look at the title of the property, make sure that the person who's selling it actually owns it. Mm -hmm. So the bank has a lot of costs in creating this loan for you. And guess who pays those costs? You do. do. (laughs) You know, the bank has no interest in in absorbing those costs. So they directly pass those on. Sometimes they add a little extra percentage for themselves. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they fill in paperwork fees and, you know, loan origination fees and, and just unique phrases. And so be aware that there is a fee for them to take the time to create a $200,000 
loan. This is a product that you're buying from them. Mm -hmm. Their business is selling loans, is selling mortgages. And so they're going to sell that to you, but there's going to be some fees and you need to be aware and ready for those fees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's not just the bank that's doing some of this work. You have a title company that's going to run uh, the all the paperwork and all the history of your home to make sure that the title is clear. So when you're buying the home, there's no problems from the past that would come and give you trouble in the future. So there are a lot of different expenses there. Appraising the home, that's a house appraiser. It's a person that comes out, looks at the home, and gives it a fair market value so that the loan is not uh, smaller than the actual value or larger than the actual value. Just they want to make sure that if you're going to borrow this much, that it's actually worth that much. So all of these people that are involved in this process in this transaction are all have to be paid. Plus, if you use a broker, uh, which is a, a mortgage lender that will shop around and find uh, you know different rates from different banks, different lenders, they got their fee. And that's built in there. So I, I've actually done this when I purchased my last home. I went and did a little homework to find out what's a fair closing cost because I want to know what are these question. fees, yeah. how can I avoid some of these fees. And I actually read some really good articles, and I was able to go and, and deal with my mortgage broker and just say, look, I'm going to pay you for this, but I'm not paying this fee. And actually, there was an escrow fee. Uh, I, I put more than 20% down, so I didn't have an escrow account. They wanted to charge me a $350 escrow fee. I'm like, but I'm not having an escrow account. It's like, well, that's just what we do. I'm like, well, you're not going to do it if you want my, my business. Yeah. And they took it off. So you do have some leverage, but just know that there's not a standard terminology for all of these. They're all slightly different, and you, you really can't compare apples to apples. But my suggestion is when you get that statement from the bank and they're going to tell you what all these fees are, go through them one by one, ask questions, see if you can negotiate some of those down. Sometimes they will negotiate those down. Yeah. I That's was just, been my experience. Yep. Yeah, I was just looking on my computer to see if I could find the the closing costs from my last home purchase. And I'll see if I can find it maybe for the next episode. But the fees were, it was just so interesting. Mm -hmm. All the different fees, everything that's in there. And, and you're you're buying a home, it's important for you to take the time to understand what these fees are and what you're being charged for. Leo mentioned an escrow fee. Mm -hmm. Escrow is essentially, and I'm going to break it down pretty basic, but it's essentially a separate bank account that they open in your name. Now they collect the money and they take your money and they put it into this bank account and they take that money for your insurance and they take that money for your taxes so that every year they take your money throughout the year then at the end of the year, they pay for your home insurance and your taxes. Now, you paid for your home insurance and taxes, but yes. you paid for every month by giving it to them and they hold it for you. It's called escrow. Now, they charge you a fee yes. to not set up escrow for you. Yeah. you well, they tried. They, yeah, they tried. they tried. They tried. But you would think that they would charge you a fee in order to handle your money. Sure. But it was just the opposite. They said, no, if you don't let us take your money every month and put it in a separate bank account, yeah. we're going to charge you a fee so that you personally can hold your own money yes. and pay your own taxes and pay your own insurance. It, it's kooky. It is. But they do it because most people don't ask those questions. They yes. just assume these costs are just built in. But I'm telling you, my experience is that there's a lot of flexibility in those. Yes. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. <laughs> I just there's one more thing we want to touch on before we go on to the next show, and that's yeah. the private mortgage insurance. Uh, we've talked about this slightly before, but if you don't put 20% down, then the lender needs to insure that loan in case you default. So what they're going to do is they're going to have this private mortgage insurance, PMI, that's based on a percentage of the loan. 
and you get charged that, you pay it, but the bank gets the policy. It's like me buying insurance for you, but me never being the beneficiary for it. So really, it's just to protect the bank, but because you're not putting 20% down, you're the one who's going to have to pay for that insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So it's private mortgage insurance. It's insurance mm -hmm. sold by a private company, another company that you're not even involved with, and you have to pay for that insurance so that if anything ever goes wrong and you can't make your payments, that the bank is covered by the insurance. Mm -hmm. You personally are not covered by They're the not. insurance. Right. You still go into foreclosure. You still go into default. They still start to get mad at you. They charge you extra interest. They charge you fees. They, they trash your credit. They still do all those things to you while they are protected by the insurance that you bought for them and you didn't get any benefit from. So the amount, the fee for this, it varies. It can vary anywhere from uh, 0.3, like a third of a percent, one third of a percent, all the way up to 1.2%. It's typically around half a percent. So again, let's put this in perspective. For every $100,000 that you borrow, you would pay half a percent every year just to pay for this insurance, that's about $40 a month, every month that you pay, just so that they are insured in case you ever miss a payment on a $200,000 house. That's about $80 a month or about $960 a year. So almost $1,000 a year that you pay just so that if you ever miss a payment, that's covered by another insurance company to cover the bank. Again, this whole process is about making sure that the bank has the lowest amount of risk and they always transfer the risk and make you pay for it. Yep. So so just be aware. Now, I said it's 0.5% is typical. Um, depending on your credit score and how risky you are as right. a borrower, right. they could charge you all the way up to 1.2% and you could literally be spending $100 a month or more or easily up to $200 a month on a $200,000 loan, $300 a month on a $300,000 loan. I mean, you could end up spending a lot of money just insuring them, just so they don't ever get in trouble. But again, none of that benefits you. It doesn't help you pay off your home sooner. It's literally just an extra three grand or two grand or $1,000 a month that goes out the window for you. Um, so let's touch on one more thing, where to get mortgage rates and pre-approval. Pretty easy to do that these days. You just shop around, you start online or find a mortgage broker. Um, you can compare rates with any number of lending, uh, online mortgage lenders, or find a local mortgage broker who will shop your application to multiple lenders, which sometimes is a benefit because you can get the best rate. But remember, they're getting paid as well. You have one more person in the chain. They're going to have to get paid. So sometimes it's worth getting a broker because you have access to more opportunities. But today, you really can go online and get a lot of great direct contact with these online lenders. LendingTree.com is one of those where you can get four or five different rates in a very short period of time and they compete for your business. So it's pretty cool that you can do that. We'll have a, a link in the show notes for that for you mm -hmm. guys in, in case you want to go there and just give it a shot. Just remember that these rates are, are more accurate when they're done online. Uh, they're updated very quickly. So just doing an online search is probably the best place to start. Yeah. But if you like the face-to-face -face connection for the transaction, the mortgage broker or a typical bank or credit union is a good way to go. Yeah. So the first time that Ashley and I bought a home, we didn't really realize that you should shop around for a bunch of different places to choose your mortgage rate. You know, this is you're going to look at multiple banks or multiple lenders 
and you're going to say, hey, who will give me the lowest rate mm -hmm. based on how much I can put down, based on my credit score, based on who I am. And it's, it's just like going to buy a car. You don't buy from the first car dealer. You look online. You go online, you shop the price, you research it, and you say, okay, what is a good uh, typical payment for this kind of car that's this many years old that has this many miles? Well, you're doing the same thing. You're, you're shopping with multiple banks to make sure that you get the best rate. And I think a lot of people don't do this because they just don't realize it's even a thing. And I know it's funny to say that, but yeah. a lot of people don't even well, it's realize. New. It's, it's new. new to so many people. So right. our, our suggestion is just don't, don't cut any corners. Take your yeah. time. Do all the research ahead of time. There are people out there, your your realtor, we'll talk about how to choose a good realtor. Yeah. Your realtor is a great source for that. They yeah. can they can educate you in a lot of these things. They do this all the time. Yeah. So they can break it down, make it easy for you to understand. So it's okay not to know this. You've never done it before, it's okay. You don't know it, that's fine. But there are a bunch of people that can help you understand yeah. it, and certainly you can do your own research. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcast app that you use. And uh, thank you for doing that. That's such a great benefit to other people out there that need to hear this vital information. We hope that you'll share this podcast with others through social media or friends and family. And we'd love to have you be part of our personal finance conversation. Go to leosabo.com or on social media and find us and talk to us, ask us questions that you have. Let us help you become better at managing your money. You can find the show notes of this episode and more content and resources at leosabo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. So just be aware, the adjustable rate protects the bank, the fixed rate more so protects you. If you know you're only going to be in the home for seven years, maybe the adjustable rate makes sense because you're going to sell it before it can start adjusting.